When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello there, listeners, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 364 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. A listener reached out a couple months back, if I'm going to be honest. I'm sorry it's taken me so long. But she asked that I interview someone with a large family who's attempting a low or zero waste lifestyle. And I thought to myself, what a great episode idea. So today I bring you a conversation with Rebecca Lara. She is a mother of three. She is a blogger. And I'll let her introduce herself. But a quick note that today's episode is focused on motivation. So Rebecca and I are hoping to motivate those of you whose low-waste efforts have stalled in your own homes, hopefully give you the encouragement and motivation to keep on keeping on. The tips and tricks that I generally offer, I feel as though I've done plenty of shows on low-waste living that are chock full of tips and tricks. So I'll link to those in the show notes. This is not a tips and tricks episode. This is a encouragement and motivation episode. Rebecca, I am so happy to have you on the show to help me with that encouragement piece. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. How are you? I am great. Tell me about your life, your family. Paint us a picture of everything Rebecca Lara. Great question. So I am a mom to three daughters. They are all getting a little older. So let's see, they're about to turn 10, 11, and 14. So we've been on this journey for a little while now. And all of our girls have medical conditions and multiple diagnoses. So living a low-waste lifestyle can be a little challenging, like you just alluded to, with a big family, especially with these circumstances. As a mom, I've been a working mom, a stay-at-home mom, a caregiving and nurse type of mom, and now I'm a working from home mom. So seasons have changed and um, and our challenges change with that. So, And we have a new dog to add to the mix. Oh, wow. I have to ask. I love dogs. What kind of dog? <laughs> She is, we think, a pit bull bulldog mix, but she was adopted from the shelter, so we're not 100% sure. (laughs) Okay, so you have a lot going on. A puppy, three daughters, work from home life. What is your motivation for attempting a low-waste lifestyle despite all of not just the lifestyle's challenges, but also all of your specific life's challenges? Why even try? Why do you continue trying? I have always been pretty passionate about litter from the beginning. Like when I was a child, it used to make me really angry to watch people throw things out of their car windows. 
And from there, I've just always been connected. I love nature. I love animals. It's a huge passion of mine. And so over the years, as I've grown into adulthood, it's just always been in the back of my mind. And I knew I wanted to do something that I couldn't just sit there and watch this happening. Yeah, it's definitely not easy and it's challenging, but I just know that I have to do something. (laughs) And I want to teach my children, like the next generation, to care about these things too. So that's where my passion comes from. In my capacity as the host of this podcast, but also in my personal life, like just going about my days, going about my business, I hear, for lack of a better word, a lot of excuses from people. Like, I can't reduce my trash creation because X or oh, the problems are so big in the world, so I'm just going to not change my lifestyle, or oh, I don't have the time, or oh, I don't have the funds, or oh, I live in a location where low-waste living is inaccessible to me. And so that's really what I want to get into with you today. Like, What's a valid reason to not be incrementally more eco-friendly? And what's just an excuse? And I'm not asking you that question. That's more a rhetorical question because it is definitely person-specific. Let's talk about what you do. You have three children. You have a puppy. Your children have significant medical issues. What are your thoughts on the trash in a mason jar movement that's going around that's on social media? Let's fit all our trash in a little mason jar. Is that motivating to you? Is it intimidating? Where do you fit in with the trash in a mason jar conversation? I've been on both sides of that, for sure. I do think in many ways, it's motivating to me because there's proof out there that it can be done. Right? So I'm like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. And then I'm like, but wait, no, I can't do it. (laughs) So then I go on the other side, right? Over over this past 10 years or whatever it's been. But I Where I have landed personally is maybe I can't do the mason jar lifestyle, like even though that would be wonderful for all of us to get there, and maybe we can someday. But I also can't do nothing and use that as an excuse to just sit back and just keep contributing to the problem. So I've landed somewhere in the middle, and I still have moments where I go back and forth because, like you said, we have significant medical issues. The brief version of that story is my oldest daughter went into acute liver failure five years ago and she was on life support and she was in the hospital for 74 days and it took her three and a half years to recover. And during that time period, there's a lot of waste, right? I could just go on and on about all the medical waste, but I had to come to peace with it because I'm going to do the best I can in the season I'm in. And so now that she's recovered and she's doing so much better, so is our low waste journey. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think, if, in my opinion, if we can all get to that place where we're just doing the best that we can, given our circumstances, and always striving to do better, then I think we'll end up in a better place overall. Yeah. When I hear these excuses, like whatever the excuse is, not enough time, or the problems are too big, or I don't have the resources or the privilege, or whatever the excuse is, I think the person making the excuse is forgetting the very important point that you just made, which is that we don't have to be perfect. We can be imperfectly 
zero or low waste. It's not about getting, and at least it's not for me. It's not about getting my trash in a mason jar. It's about striving to do better. It's about living with intention. And you just made the point so perfectly. There is waste that we create that's essential, quite literally essential for your daughter's life, right? And we're not talking about <laughs> reducing that waste. We're talking about all the extras, all the ancillaries that our Western way of life, our culture just instills in us is normal. And I don't think that those ancillary pieces of waste, that single-use disposable wrapper or that plastic bag or that takeaway coffee cup, I don't think that those are essential. And so I guess me on my soapbox moment here is let's start one by getting on board with what the problem is. The problem is not the waste that we have no control over. When we're talking about living low waste, we're really honing in on the waste that we do have some control over. I would love to ask you, though, about the size of your family. You have five people. I have four. I don't think five is all that gigantic. But the amount of people in your home tends to mean like more people, more waste. How do you combat that in your home? Yeah, that's a great question. You're right. More people, more waste, but also just educating the my children from a younger age. And we're not, like you said, we're not perfect at this by any means, but my goal is just can we keep doing better? And so can I keep teaching them to do better? And it comes down to even things like toothbrushes. They want a new toothbrush, they're children. So it's just like, they don't think through things the way that you or I would, but I'm trying to point these little lessons out now so that it becomes more second nature to them to think about, I don't really need a new toothbrush yet. And can we use this other kind of toothbrush that is more low waste or eco-friendly? So we just try to do one thing at a time. And if I'm able to get all five of us to do that one thing, then I think that's like a bonus, right? So having a bigger family in that way is, I look at it as like, we're making a bigger impact in other ways. That's right. And if you raise your three daughters to be more conscientious citizens of the world, that's three opportunities for them to take what they've learned from you and spread it as they grow older. Have you seen that? shift yet? And I ask that because for most of us as parents in this realm, in this environmentalist-leaning lifestyle realm, we hope that we're teaching our kids these core principles. And we hope, we envision, once they get a little bit older, it starts to click. <laughs> has it started to click for your daughters yet? Because I'll be completely honest, it has not really clicked for mine yet. No, it's definitely still a process. And there are times though, like my youngest daughter, who's turning 10 soon, she looks at me and she's like, oh, mom, like anytime I bring it up, it's come on, can we stop talking about this? <laughs> and I get it. She's nine going on 10. But I just hope that it's still like in the back of her mind. And like you said, as she grows older, she'll be able to be more self-aware, but it will start to matter more. So no, it totally has not 100% clicked yet, but I'm hoping we're at least laying the foundation for it. <laughs> I think you are. I think it is going to click and it is going to turn over. It's just a question of when, I would say. Let's talk about perfection versus imperfection when it comes to low-waste living. I do find that at least for me personally, I'm such a black and white thinker. Either I'm 100% in or I'm not even trying. And I work at my 
dichotomous thinking all the time because it rears its ugly head in all things, not just low waste living. But I do think that the pressures to do 100%, to be perfect, can hold some of us back. Do you have anything to say on why we should continue to try, why we should embrace imperfectness when it comes to low waste living? For me, it's more about, right, like I I do, I have the same struggles internally in my mind sometimes. If I can't do this the way I want to do it and do it 100%, why try it all? And then I flip flop to the other side. Well, if we all, if every single human on this earth has that mentality, then nothing will ever improve. So I might as well just start trying to do what I can. And that's the lifestyle or the approach to my life that I've applied everywhere because the same thing, all those same excuses, I don't have time and things you've mentioned apply to many areas of our life. And I got to the point with my daughter's illness that I realized like, Now is the time for all of this, for everything that matters to you. One of my favorite mantras is slow progress is still progress. I tell that to my children. I tell that to my clients in all areas of life. I used to always be this person that thought too, someday I'll do that. Someday I'll try that for everything. And I'm like, no, actually, we're not promised someday. So like today I'm going to start. I'm going to start right where I am with whatever goal I'm after. And I'm just going to know that slow progress is still progress. And yeah, if we all allow ourselves to believe the excuses that we're giving ourselves, then we're never going to make progress. And I know as a life coach, I know that's just our mind's way of protecting us, right? So if we come up with, I don't have time, I don't have the money, I don't, for anything we're going after in life, it's like, that's our brain's way of keeping us safe. And, and from changing, right? Because change is hard on all of us. So changing to a low-waste lifestyle can feel overwhelming and impossible at times. And so I just like to remind myself that, yeah, there might be some things that would be easier if I had more money or less illness in my family or whatever. But again, slow progress is still progress. That's what I always come back to. Yeah, I love what you said there about how excuses are often our mind's way of protecting us from what's scary or what's unknown. That's just so relevant to this conversation and any change. Thinking about adopting a new lifestyle, that's gigantic, especially when you see people fitting all their trash in mason jars. I totally understand why people would say, "Uh, it's a little too militant for me. I could totally see it. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to get into the how with you. So what first steps do you have for listeners and specifically listeners with children? How can they start an imperfect, low-waste life? We're going to get there after a quick word from our sponsors. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch 
They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. Today I'm speaking with Rebecca Lara. She is a life coach and a blogger, and we're talking about imperfectly low-waste living. Before the break, we were getting everybody on board with the why, right? Leave your excuses at the door, listeners, and jump on board because the time is now. Rebecca, I want to hear the how because the opportunities to be wasteful, to produce a lot of waste, especially when you have children, they're infinitesimal. There are so many opportunities to collect junk, amass junk, and then throw it in the trash. Junk culture is everywhere. What first steps do you have for listeners who they know how many bags of trash they're putting on the curb every week, and they want to just incrementally reduce it? What steps can you offer them? I always try to start with the simplest thing possible in every area of my life. So what's one simple swap you can make? And if we don't want it to be cost prohibitive, then it's like trying to think through things that could actually save you money. So one of our first steps that my children are 100% on board with is reusable water bottles. That seems like an easy first step for a lot of us. Many people are already doing it, but just trying to use that kind of thinking in other areas of your life and then apply that thinking forward. What's the next easiest swap I can make? And that's how we've approached the issue with our children. And it's to the point now where some of this is on autopilot, right? Reusable water bottles. I think about their lunches, school lunches, and obviously not using throwaway Ziploc type baggies, but reusable containers, things like that. We just try to start with those simple things that might actually save you money over time too. I've heard it said before, you should take a trash audit where you actually look in your trash can and see what you're throwing out. Do you think a trash audit has any importance? Do you think that's a helpful action to undertake? That's a good question. We've never done one physically. I have seen many people talk about those as well. 
But I, as a life coach, I tell my clients to do time audits. So the concept behind it, I think, is valuable just to stop and reflect on what you're doing. So in the case of low waste, stop and reflect. What are what areas of my daily life can I scale back on or change or swap? So even if you don't do it like physically and actually dig in your trash, you could probably just at least have a, a casual, what seems like a casual conversation around the dinner table about with your kids, just brainstorming ways that you could change. Yes. Yeah. A lot of my listeners, I would say, are not novices in the low waste living community at all. They would probably be intermediate or perhaps even advanced. Obviously, a trash audit is really important when you're first starting to see what you're throwing out. But I actually think the beauty of a trash audit comes when you consider yourself more intermediate, when you've already tackled the low-hanging fruit, the water bottles, the coffee cups, whatever, like the plastic bags. You've already tackled that, and now you need to go to the next level. For me personally, Whenever I feel like I can't reduce our trash anymore, I open my trash can and I look inside and I will say that for my house, the biggest source of trash at the moment is food wrappers and the reflection that you mentioned. So let's look at something, let's get some data, and then let's reflect on the data. For me, I know that when we're throwing out a lot of food wrappers, like I'm thinking a granola bar wrapper, let's say, that is connected to how much or how little I personally am cooking. So when I get stressed and overwhelmed and I'm cooking less, we, of course, resort to the processed foods more often and the processed foods have the wrappers. And so it's all really connected. And I love your emphasis on reflection there, because when you reflect, that's how you see where is this coming from? Why is this happening? That's a great point, by the way. And I noticed, I think you're right. Like I'm, I'm not a beginner. I'm not advanced. I'm somewhere in between still. And you've even just having these conversations, like allow me to reflect. You're right. Like my lifestyle has gotten busier with my business taking off and we are relying on more processed foods. And I, a couple of years ago, we we're making homemade granola bars and like, I need to get back to that. So I think having a regular moment or once a quarter or something to reflect on where you're at in your season of life and what can be approved on approved upon is really great strategy. And I tell my clients this as a life coach, evaluate what's working, what's not working, and what can I do differently? Because yeah, some things are working and some things are, and it's time to go to the next step. So what can we do differently? Yeah. I think for me personally, when it comes to my children and how I interact with them surrounding the waste conversation, it's about teaching them. It's about saying, this is compostable. This is recyclable. Oh, we save the trash can for the things that we can't recycle. We can't compost. It's the last resort. It's always a very educational-based conversation because they're six and nine. But with my husband, it has to be a more collaborative conversation. and. When I feel as though we get stagnant in our low-waste lifestyle, it's often because we haven't reconvened and remotivated each other and gotten on the same page. Like He is totally on board with low-waste living. He's not a spouse or partner who doesn't care. He's definitely on board, but even so, 
things fall through the cracks. Like he tends to do the grocery shopping. And so there are zero waste options at our grocery store. However, because life happens, sometimes he brings home the items packaged in plastic, and then that becomes the new norm. So we have to have a collaborative conversation to go back and say, oh, I noticed you bought X item in plastic. Why did you not put it in the mason jar? Like that kind of stuff. And so I think those conversations are really important when you live with other people. I'm wondering, what does that look like, though, in your life? So it took my husband, took educating my husband, too. Like it wasn't his wasn't at the front of his mind when I started this lifestyle. And he was always on board and willing to help me out and contribute and collaborate. But it just wasn't at the forefront of his mind. So it's nice as I sit here and talk to you that I'm seeing the progress he's making too. We are making together. A few years ago, we bought a new car and I was pushing for electric or hybrid or, and he was just like, oh, I don't know. It was just very hard for him to wrap his mind around. And the good news is like this year, he's buying a new car sometime soon and he wants to go 100% electric. So he's gotten there. So with everyone that we live with and interact with daily, we have to just remember to be patient and to like gently educate and collaborate with people because progress can happen. So he's definitely on board. But like you said, When he goes grocery shopping, it's different than when I go grocery shopping. And it's just because for me, it's usually me doing it. So when he does it, he's helping and that's wonderful, but he's not thinking about the same things I'm always thinking about. So it's an ongoing collaboration. And we just, like you said, have to be very thoughtful and communicate our goals to each other. And the other thing I just want to say too, is I know that coming off the pandemic, I feel like that changed a lot of our journey as well. And so we're still, I feel like, trying to course correct and get back to where we were before the pandemic too. Yes, the pandemic definitely put a hitch in so many of our low-waste plans, didn't it? (laughs) We're still it was devastating (laughs) in the beginning. (laughs) I do also, we're talking about imperfect low-waste living today. And hopefully we're giving listeners some motivation to recommit to the cause. I think for those of us who are on board with that, it's super helpful to look at the big picture, right? The big picture is not the mason jar filled with trash. That to me is not the big picture. The big picture is to take a good hard look at our culture's overconsumption habits and our predisposition towards wastefulness. That's the big picture. It's to look at the fact that for so many of us in the United States, it's commonplace to use an item once and then throw it out. Like, really? Is that? (laughs) If you think about that, like, that's just crazy to me. And so, again, the big picture is not making a small amount of trash. The big picture is to look at the way we as Americans live and say, that is bonkers. Because it is bonkers, isn't it? (laughs) So that's the goal. It's to push back against what marketing and messaging has told us is normal living in 2023 and say, no, it's not. And I'm going to do better. I'm going to do things differently. But what do you say, though, to listeners who argue that our environmental problems are so big and what 
you and I can do in terms of trash reduction is so small in the grand scheme of things, so insignificant, I would say. Do you have any words for them? Yes. And I've struggled with that as well. Wondering is what I'm doing making any difference? Does it matter? I always come back to the thought that if every human or most humans can do just a little bit, we'll be further ahead than if we all just use that excuse and sit back and do nothing. And so again, I always come back to slow progress is still progress. So if I can do a little bit and then the person who lives next to me can do a little bit and we all just, I just picture it, you know, multiplying and I just, that's the way I live my life with everything. And I just know that I, I see those pictures of the environmental damage being done and the garbage in the oceans and it breaks my heart. And so even if I can't solve that big issue today, the small steps I'm taking hopefully will spiral and just keep the momentum going so that eventually we can get there. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And for listeners who are saying, but it's too hard or it's this or it's that or whatever, for those of us with children, regardless of all of the excuses, we have a big responsibility, which is to make our children or hopefully guide our children to become the best versions of themselves. And being wantonly wasteful, wanton wasteful, wantonly, I'm not sure of the right phrase. Sorry, everybody. But I just really wanted to say wanton. Like that is not guiding our children to becoming the best person or people they can be. Being wasteful is never something that any of us should ever try to become. And so we have a big responsibility on our shoulders, even if we're not single-handedly fixing the planet and fixing all the planet's problems. We're not, by the way, spoiler alert. But we are teaching our children how to be less wasteful. And I think if you take the planet's problems off the table for a minute, it's still a important enough endeavor to teach our kids a better way. I completely agree. And if we're not educating them, who will? So yes, I want them to live a different lifestyle than I grew up with, thinking that yes, disposing of things is normal. And I want them to start thinking differently. And the younger I can help them start to to think differently, the better, because hopefully as they grow into adulthood, they'll have that foundation set and it will matter to them. And they'll understand why it's important, at least, so that they can make the best decisions that they can at that time. Completely agree. Rebecca, tell my listeners where they can find you online and perhaps you'll even hopefully mention your Going Green and Living Clean workbook as a resource. Oh, yes. So I have a blog called Simply Living Green with Rebecca, and you can find a lot of my journey and some of these topics about struggling with the low waste lifestyle there. Um, I try to be as transparent as possible so that everyone knows that it's possible for them too, even if they can't be perfect. Rebecca, I thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. I wish you, your family, your daughters, so much happiness. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Listeners, that's a wrap. Show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 364. I have nothing else to say. So I will see you on Thursday. Take care.